Welcome to the Do Life Better podcast, where we believe that you get to create who you are being and who you become. And it's often the smallest changes and actions that make the biggest difference. Each week, your host, Dave Jorner, will bring you the best guests, tips and messages to inspire and help you to do life even better. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Do Life Better podcast. And of course, I hope you're creating a great day. Now, for all of you who are regular listeners to the Do Life Better podcast and tune in every single week, thank you. I'm incredibly grateful that you do spend time with us each week and that you are finding value in these messages. So thank you very much and keep on spreading the word out there for other people as well. So thank you for that. And the shout out today goes to Justin who left us a comment on CastBox. Justin says, the power of thought is very powerful. At a retreat of yours, Dave, I committed to working on my positivity and your podcast is pretty, very helpful, really very helpful. So Justin, thank you very much. I really appreciate the time you took to uh, leave a review. Now, for today's episode, do you avoid a challenge because the risk of it not working out is too high? Or do you scroll through your social media feed and compare yourself to what others are posting? Or do you wish you had a bit more courage to give things a go? If you said yes to any of these questions, you're not alone and there are strategies to help you. My guest today has an MBA, is a certified master facilitator, author, speaker, and coach. She has trained and coached people in the Middle East, Asia, and Outback Australia. She is married with two adopted rescue dogs, so you know she knows challenges. I'm talking about the dogs, not the husband, and I'm excited we can spend some time with her to get some insights and strategies to boost your success. So I hope you enjoy and find great value in today's conversation with Sally Foley-Lewis. Hello, Sally. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Thanks, Dad. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Now, after first connecting with you recently, um, and obviously you are the productivity expert, leadership expert as well, and from our chat, there's something really surprising that you said about failure and the impact that has, particularly on productivity, and it made me think that that's probably why it's taken me three years, I suppose, to finally get the garage sorted in our house. We've been here for three years. The garage has been an absolute mess, something I've been kind of embarrassed about for a long time. But maybe I, it took me so long to finally start doing something in that garage, get the shelving, because I was worried about doing it wrong, maybe getting the wrong type of shelving. Maybe I was worried about what other people would think of the look of it. I don't know, but it took me a very, very long time. And to the point where the day I was actually putting it together, my father-in-law came around and he had a look and I thought, oh, what's he going to say? And he just kind of stood there and he said, are you feeling okay, Dave? And I'm like, uh, yeah, why? And he's like, you're finally doing your garage. Like, what's going on? And it was really interesting, just that, that link that you made the other day. I hadn't really thought about it to that extent about maybe it's not about being lazy. And, and thank you for that because I had thought maybe I was lazy these three years, <laughs> but maybe it's not just about being lazy. Maybe it's about something else. Maybe it's about that fear of, of failure. Would that be true? And if so, I'd love to hear more about that. Look, only you know if you were lazy. Okay, so uh, <laughs> okay, <Yep. laughs> I'll, I'll just... <laughs> let's say I wasn't. Hopefully, I don't know. <laughs> I thought I'd start with both barrels. Um, 
and, and give yep. that one to you. So only you know if you were lazy. And I know that having mm. chatted with you, it's not about lazy. And it it quite mm. often, most times, it isn't about lazy. It's about the shoulds that we have in our that you know the should language that's going around in our head mm-hmm. and what if i fail what if i and let's take the garage example further um because yep. we've just moved house and my husband's just installed the world's massive contraption of shelving um so so well, i feel your pain and and it doesn't matter whether it's a right. garage or anything else there are so many factors that come into play around deciding your next steps that mm-hmm. when we get caught up in what i want to do what would be mm-hmm. the most economical thing to do? Where do I start? Mm-hmm. How much is this going to cost? How much time do I need to spend in mm-hmm. this? If I start and then I stop, will I actually come back into it? Like I could go on with a list of a million types of, I'm going to say excuses, but not in the negative sense because these are, these are questions and these are mini dilemmas um, that then cause us to think, I don't even know. That's too much. I'm going to stop. You know, we end out in procrastination land. That's what that's about. And failure is a part of that. And a fear of failure, if I don't do anything, then I won't fail anything and therefore I'm okay. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Whereas I like failure. I I won't say that I've always liked it, (laughs) Um, but I'm starting to, I'm starting to have a very healthy relationship around the concept of failure. Okay. Tell me more. I'd love to hear more. Well, I think that when we experience failure, we have mm-hmm. a choice. Um, okay. Maybe in the instant that it's happening, there may be some real critical actions that we need to take. So mm-hmm. if I've failed something like driving mm-hmm. and I've had an accident, obviously in the immediacy I need to deal with what's going on. For sure, yep. However, afterwards I've got a choice to just really tear myself apart with guilt and blame and maybe even around diverting blame elsewhere. Mm. Um, it wasn't my fault, it was the car or someone else or mm. I was cut off and therefore I had that accident. You know, I can go down negative street or I can sit there and reflect upon it and say, what responsibility do I have to take for this and what do I learn from it? Now, even taking responsibility can come with some costs. Mm -hmm. However, I I become a a better uh, contributing person to my society. I also become a better person within me because I I feel better that I've taken responsibility. But also when I reflect upon what's happened, I can say, all right, I need to watch my speed. I need to make sure I'm doing all my mirrors. I need to make sure I'm indicating, I'm paying attention. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's that reminder and those lessons that that are so important. If we go back to your garage example, Mm -hmm. you know, the thing I would say to you is what's the most painful thing that's sticking in you right now? Because Mm -hmm. I'm actually not in your pain. I'm not (laughs) in your situation. So um, as a coach, I would be, I I would have this, this concept that's called clarity of distance. I'm at a distance from your problem. Therefore, Mm -hmm. I'm not emotionally attached the way you are. Uh, Yes, yes. Yeah. So for you, uh, it's about maybe stepping back, you know, and get in your head and go, all right, if I was to coach my, my brother to do this, if I was to talk to my best friend about this problem, what, what advice would I give them? 
And so mm. this is how you do it for yourself when you don't have mm. Sally to talk to or you, know, <laughs> yeah. you don't have your coach to talk to. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose it's that balance, isn't it, between emotional thinking and logical thinking. Oh, and, sure. and you're saying there's the two-stage process. What can you do beforehand to, um, I suppose, reduce the possibility of failing? Mm. And then if you do fail, have a plan already in place for what you can do afterwards so the magnitude isn't so big, so it doesn't seem um, so, such of a bad thing, really. It can be fixed quite easily. Oh, precisely. And I think that's, that's, let's take that, that example into different aspects of our life. Um, Mm. For example, uh, whether it's picking subjects at uni or Mm -hmm. finishing uni and going into a job or finishing any level of education and going into your first job. And, Mm. you know, it's, and the the key word there is first, not last, not forever, but first, yep. Um, yep. and the subjects that you choose, and I, I, I'm an old dinosaur, so I, I assume you can still add and drop subjects within a certain period of time. Um, mm-hmm. At uni, as an example, yep. I did I did my masters of business administration over ten years. Now, out of the ten years, so I'm not necessarily a slow learner. Just don't <laughs> just took my time. Um, <laughs> but, um, yep. but you know, I actually drop a subject in time and so I had a fail on my record um, and I dropped uh, one subject three times because I was procrastinating because it was my nemesis subject that I had going on in my head. Um, okay. It was my, it was a, t- to me in my head at the time, it was my toughest subject. Now I'm now, I want to whisper 20 years on from that experience mm-hmm. and I think I'm still okay, you know. Um, I'm still a contributing, yeah. upright, breathing, you know, I'm okay. I'm, I'm relatively normal. Just don't ask my friends. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a blip in the radar of my life. And while I didn't like it then, the lesson was, okay, remember mm-hmm. to keep a track on your calendar and when you've got to drop things and add things. So pay attention to your scheduling. Put things in your calendar. Help yourself mm. be productive. Schedule yourself. Then, secondly, in the grand scheme of things, you know, in in the bigger picture of my life, in twenty years from now, how mm. much will this really matter? How yes. much will this yes. really matter? Yeah, a friend of mine has the five year theory about this mistake, this failure. Is that going to really mean anything in five years' time? Yeah. And that really helps me put things into perspective. So if I do fail this subject or if I don't get into this degree or this course right now, in five years or even 10 years' time, is that really going to matter or is it just a little blip on the radar? Is it just a little hurdle, a little bump along the way? And in five years' time, it means nothing. Uh, And that's been quite helpful for me to put a lot of things into perspective. Oh, completely. I think that's a great idea. And Mm. and adding to that is if I never shared that story, who, who would know? You know, That's right. um, who, you know, I need to probably stop telling that story um, if it bothered me, but it doesn't bother me. But if, if it was something that did bother me, you know, people are far too consumed with themselves. Yes. And so the tape that plays in our head is quite often around a comparison of ourselves to others or a comparison of ourselves to what is a perfect ideal. Mm, mm. And so therefore we have this never-ending dialogue going on in our heads about what we should be doing, that we should never fail. If I fail, then that's it for my entire life. My life's going to end. And it's just not true. You know, no one actually cares 
that I failed that subject apart from me and the money I had to cough up for it, you know, um, you know and that <laughs> that's was right. it. That's right. I love what you were saying the other day too about we think everyone is looking at mm. us but in fact they're not. No, we think everyone no, watches, we, we think everyone really cares, we think everyone's really going to be thinking about our mistakes but in fact they care far more about what's going on for them than they will ever think about us. You're talking about that just now, about maybe we don't take action because we're worried about what they would think, but they they really won't. Yeah? Exactly. If, if we are spending the majority of our time worried about what others think about us and we are in our own heads thinking about us, thinking about mm. how, how does the world see me? Or how should I behave so the world accepts me? You know, that's where we are a lot of the time, unless we know better, like Uh having these conversations that make us aware of it. But you imagine a room full of 15 people all sitting there and 75% of the head talk is all about what do you think Mm. of me? What do they think of me? I wonder what they're thinking about me. I wonder if I'm sitting okay. What if I say this? Will that be stupid if I say this? How about if I do this? Oh, just breathe. Just breathe, yeah. and I'm, I'm. This sounds a bit harsh, but get over yourself because you know <laughs> they're all thinking about themselves. Yes, yes. You be first. Take yes. a deep breath and say, "Hey, what about X, Y, Z? What are your thoughts?" And and that's probably uh-huh. the the uh-huh. easiest way to get yourself over all that head talk is to pose a question because a question is not necessarily forcing your belief on someone. It's actually inviting a conversation, a dialogue. Okay. What would be an example of that? Well, I, I go to a lot of networking events and one of the things mm-hmm. I find when I go there is that people are very, very hesitant to walk up into a group because the group looks like it's okay. closed and all in the midst of a conversation, whereas I'm a little bit of a rebel. Yes. If I see someone standing on their own, I walk up to that solo person because I think if that was me, I'd want someone to kind of, in inverted commas, save me. Um, And then I say, how about we go find a conversation and um, how about we, you know, party crash a conversation? And so um, I, I, I take that for both of us because I'm fairly extroverted and I, I feel as though if they don't want to, and if they don't care, they'll let me know. Um, you know, if mm-hmm. I'm the person that can help two people step into a conversation, then I've just made the world a little bit easier for someone, you know. I'm thinking about doing that for someone yeah. else. But it also helps me too it, because when it works, it boosts my confidence. When it doesn't work, I get to say to myself, mm-hmm. okay, not this time. What did I learn from it? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's one of the things that we talk about as well. And in fact, we had a, a short episode um, earlier on the Do Life Better podcast about is it failure or is it learning? So I really like how you keep coming back to that. What did I learn from this? I gave it a go. It didn't work out, but what did I learned from mm. that. And it reminds me of something else you spoke about the other day too, which I'd like to hear more about now. The term fail mm. fast, fail often, and fail quietly. I, I love that. Um, I'll yes, love to it's hear not more. mine, but I'll definitely, um, <laughs> I'll definitely share it. I can't take credit for it, and I can't for <laughs> yep. the life of me think of who said it first. Um, but fail fast, fail often, and fail quietly. Um, to me, I think that's where that love affair with failure has to start building in all of us because failure, when we handle it properly, when we use it as a mm-hmm. tool for growth and development, it actually thickens our our protective coating of resilience. 
you know. Um, we get to be a little bit thicker skinned about life and can cope with a whole lot more. And it doesn't mean we don't get knocked down. It just means that we get knocked down, we get back up and we get back a little bit faster and a little bit stronger mm. every time. You know, we all have knocks in life mm. and that's the, that's the problem with comparing mm. our inner selves to a perfect ideal exterior elsewhere. We don't see the others getting knocked down. We only see the perfection that comes on Facebook. We don't see the reality behind the screen. That's right. And so, all we see is their highlight exactly, reel, not the exactly. reality. And the reality is mm. we all have failures. We all fail uh, dismally sometimes at some things. And if you take a, a look at all, this is something that gets told quite common. Look at all the famous people you know and how many, and, mm. and do a Google search in them and look at all their failures first. And those failures are what got them to success. Yes. Now, I, um, over the course of a 12 month period in me running my own business, I actually um, set mm. about failing 50% of the projects I start, deliberately failing on, on purpose. purpose because. I need to have a go at something and look at it fail and work out why it failed so I get some lessons from it. We get far more lessons from failure than from success. It's not that we don't get the Mm. lessons from success. We're just probably too wrapped up and going, hey, it worked, (laughs) and keep going. Whereas if we fail something, (laughs) we kind of get to pull it apart, deconstruct it, and say, okay, all right. That's where our curiosity can can really dive in and be of value to us. And when I talk about failing fast and failing quiet, mm. I interpret that as being mm. you don't have to tell the world that you failed. You don't have to put your massive sob yeah. story out on social media um, unless you're sharing the lesson yep. that if it's going to be of value as a lesson, then definitely share it. Nice. But if you're just out there to have a whinge about how much you failed, then you're not actually doing yourself a service. Use that time and effort to reflect on what the lesson is. So that's why I say quietly. Failing fast, that's about being resilient. That's about saying getting those lessons and getting back up and trying something new. Don't let it keep you down. Let it give Mm. you the lesson. That's very powerful. You know, when someone gives you feedback, um, and you and I are very similar in what we do, We, you know, when we're out speaking and presenting, I, you'll probably relate to this. I I was speaking at an event not so long ago and there's always in your audience. Now, when I say in your audience, that can be literally an audience that you're speaking to. Mm -hmm. It could be a meeting that you're in. It could be a classroom. It could be your Mm -hmm. friends. You'll find the bigger the audience, Mm -hmm. the bigger the range of people who love you and want more of you, down to those who couldn't care for you too much and don't mm-hmm. really want to be there, okay? So yes. the full spectrum yes. of your audience. Yes. Now, I was speaking at this event and it was a very, very large room, had a lot of people in there, and when I came off the stage and went into a break to network with people, I had someone come up. Now, I already had about five or six people with me just chatting away and swapping business cards and things like that and having a good old laugh, mm-hmm. and then I had someone walk straight into the middle, mm-hmm. walk straight up to my face. They actually put their hands on my hips and says, look, I need to give you some right. feedback. And so in that moment, yeah, it was very confronting. It was actually confronting physically because I didn't know this person. 
and they were it to me yeah. and my world I'm a hugger but that was inappropriate and so I I very gently held onto yeah. their wrist put them back beside them and said I'm just in a conversation maybe we can catch up when we catch up after I'm finished talking with these people oh but I need to give you this feedback and I said and I put my hand up with yeah. this like a stop and said you can give me feedback when I come to you and ask for it and now that was pretty blunt but it got to the point where this person needed to be given a blunt message. Now, I finished conversing with everyone, but obviously the mood had shifted. Yeah. And I said, but why don't we all just grab a cuppa? Why don't we all just have something to eat? Please, let's catch up. I'll see you before I go. Now, out of politeness and because I said I would do it, I went and found that person. Now, I don't know what possessed me to, but maybe I've got good manners instilled in me somewhere. But I went up to the person and I said, okay, I've now finished speaking with the other people. I don't normally ask for feedback, but you seemed so insistent. Please tell me what your feedback is. And so she went on a barrage of everything mm-hmm. about the way I stood, the the use of yeah instead of yes. Uh, like every minute detail of everything I did on stage was under critique. Now, here's the thing. I, walk, I thanked her and then when I left, on my drive home, I spent that whole drive asking myself, who was that feedback for? Exactly. And so here's the other thing about when we take on feedback, you know, when you when you fail something, you know you've failed it, okay? You don't always necessarily need feedback from other mm-hmm. people. Now, I didn't think I failed that speech and the indicator for me that I didn't fail that speech was that I had people come to me straight after wanting to talk more. That's a true indicator that, that they wanted more of me. Mm. Now that's not about bragging. That's just me understanding oh, whether sure. I was was did a good job or not. This person decided to break through a conversation to give me feedback. That to me was my first indicator wow. that it was more about them than it was about me. Oh, for sure. So whenever we are given feedback, I would I would suggest be a very authentic and genuine question in your head. Is that feedback for me or for them? Now, don't use that question as an, as an excuse yes, to not yes. hear it, okay? Don't use that as a, oh, well, it was all about them and not me. That's not what it's about. It's about really truly being clear. Mm. And if that feedback was for me, okay, then what was what they said of true value that's going to help me grow? And in, and honestly, she said a couple of things mm. where I thought, yes, I'm very redneck and sometimes I say, yeah, and gunner and maybe I should probably articulate a little bit better um, with my yeses and my <laughs> going. I think I need to as well. <laughs> I mean, and, yes. and that just makes me Australian, I think. But, but there were bits that she said that I thought, okay, if I want to appeal to the whole audience, then yes, there are some things I need to improve. So I, I'm, I'm grateful for that feedback. Mm-hmm. But there's also probably a big percentage of what she said that I have decided to, to leave it out the window on my drive home. That's so important, isn't it? Being able to differentiate between are they doing it because of their own needs or is it, are they coming from a really nice place, a genuine place of, of, being, of trying to be very helpful? Um, and, yeah, to be able to discern that is so important. Well, I was just going to tag that into the next kind of idea that I had around, um, you know, if we do do a bad job, you know, if we come last at something or, um, mm-hmm. you know, last is okay. You know, don't, it's not about, usually when we come last at something, what we take on board 
is all society's messages that they they bombard us with about last being bad. I know situations where when I've not done something and I've missed out, it's turned out to be a good thing. You know, when I've not rushed in to be the first at something and realised, oh, I've missed out, and then maybe a week later I find out probably just as well. Exactly. I like that idea too about what to say to yourself if you come last, if no one acknowledges you. And as a leader, when you have a team, your voice and, and I suppose your thoughts, when leading well, your voice and your thoughts can become the inner thoughts of your team members as well. Uh, and likewise, so I've got I've got two sons and um, one's four and one's seven. And, and my seven-year-old, he's mm-hmm. starting at cross-country training at school at the moment. And it is, it's not about for him winning, it's about for him to be even more fit than what he currently is and, and just doing something that he enjoys doing doing and I'm again highly aware that as a parent my voice um, and my wife our Mm. voices become their internal dialogue become the boy's internal dialogue as well so what can well I suppose two ways with this one as a leader or as a parent what can we tell others who come last to help their internal dialogue or what can we tell ourselves? Well, I think it depends on what it is. You know, in a workplace scenario, there's a, actually there's a story about Barack Obama that um, when he was campaigning to become the president, there was a decision made that ended up costing millions of dollars, like just wasted millions of dollars. Right. And the story goes that he walk, he, he gets onto the, the campaign bus, he sits down and he's as calm as anything and he says, mm-hmm. right, Let's not do that again. What are our lessons? What did we learn from it? What are we going to do about it? How do we move forward? And then as he got up to go, there's a comment made about he seemed to be calm or something and apparently he turns around and he says, don't misunderstand, I'm not happy. So I think but, but that's the yeah. calmness in a leader that, you know, if we're influencing the energy and the dialogue that goes on in our team or in our children, we can still, we're, we're allowed to be angry. We cannot deny our emotions. We're allowed to be angry. We're allowed to be annoyed. We're allowed to be frustrated. I think our job is to actually role model ways in which we can do those in a healthy way. Exactly. Yes, don't you just, oh, you know, you didn't quite get what you wanted. Mm. All right, well, what did you learn from it? What would you do next time, you know? Now, mm. what have you done this time that you can be proud of? You know, it's the classic example of, of when, um, you do some some sums or whatever you do some some work and you get 19 out of 20 what do you focus on the 19 or the one you got wrong you know <laughs> the one you and get I think wrong. Yep. It, it's not yeah. about forgetting the one and going yay 19 it's about saying yay 19 let me understand the one so I can not repeat that yes. mistake you know yeah and that's all about growth mindset isn't it absolutely absolutely and I think that's about understanding. I think, um, look, I'm not a parent. I have two rescue dogs, so parenting is not my my genre at all. But in my head, my my thoughts are, if you've got a child that's going for the cross country, you know what, you know, you asking them what it is that they want to get out of it, and like you said, just better fitness, then that's where we have the conversation. How much fitter are you today? Mm. You know. Mm. Base it on what they want. You know, I was a cross-country runner as a kid and all I wanted to do was finish, you know. That was my focus. I wanted <laughs> yes. to finish. Um, 
Oh, that's an achievement itself, that's yeah. That's right. And so that's what the conversation was about. It wasn't about did I come first or last, it was did you finish. And it turned out to be did I finish and was I the muddiest, was what my goal was because <laughs> that was good fun. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's been really quite helpful. And I know that a lot of our listeners in their different settings, whether it be the workplace, whether it be university, school, wherever, um, that whole idea about fail fast, fail often, fail quickly mm. would be really helpful. Maybe don't purposely fail assessments, but um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> other areas as well, of course. And, and, and just giving it a go and learning from it, I think it's really important. Mm. Um, I also know that Obviously, you are um, an expert in productivity and I, I really wanted to use this time to to ask you about three quick things, if that's mm. okay. Um, and I suppose some of these are to do with um, myths and, and misconceptions around focus and multitasking. Mm. Um, in, in terms of refocusing after a distraction so for example we used to uh, we, we've just uh, moved out of our of our office so I work from home now and there's distractions here but in the office we use one space and there was, it was a great environment a lot of fun but it was also really easy just to have a quick chat to someone while they're working away and because of that it took a while to get back into doing some work and we kind of felt bad at one stage going, actually, you know what, I think I kind of need just to go to a coffee shop on my own for the morning and just work for an hour and a half by myself first before I come into the office. And it wasn't about, I don't want to spend time with you. It was more about how about we allow some really productive time and also some really good team time and, and how do we manage that balance? And, and I know you've got some information around how long it takes to refocus after distract after a distraction. So I'd like to hear more about that. Yes, it can take anywhere up to half an hour. Uh, I think it's about 22 to 28 minutes depending wow. which study you look at. Um, to get back to the same level of concentration that you were in on your task before you were distracted. Really, half an hour. So, sometimes we'll probably just, like in, in terms of that office space, it was probably half an hour between distractions sometimes. Mm. So we probably mm. never even got into full productivity. Mode. Yeah, so if you take half, if you're, if you're trying to work yeah. on a task that's incredibly high-level thinking, so it could be an assignment mm. or it could be writing a speech or a program for someone or it could be preparing for a meeting, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, you, you are switched on and completely focused on what you're doing. You know when sort of the periphery mm-hmm. of the world sort of goes hazy while you're just laser-focused? You know, that's the kind of thing I'm, I mm. think about when I think about focus. And someone distracts you, it can take up to half an hour. Now, that's just getting back into it, let alone the half hour of, you know, now I'm distracted, I may as well do this. You know, that's in addition to. I mean, one of those things that I can remember when I was at uni and I would be um, or when I was uh, in an office environment as well and, I, it, it, you know, I'd be typing away at something and someone would come and ask me a question and just as I'm typing that sentence, you know, in, and I know people will agree with this, that would have been the multi-award winning sentence, you know, had they not distracted me because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was so in my flow. I yes. was so focused. And I think one of the things that we need to do is create the environment and creating the environment when we say that often means I need to be in a space that allows me to have team time, private time, uh, quiet time, mm-hmm. a little bit of mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of white noise to help me, whatever works for, for whatever you're doing. Now, what we often forget mm-hmm. is it also means you need to communicate with others and manage expectations. 
Yes. Um, there's a great team that I've worked with a couple of years ago and um, you know where you have those open plan offices and those half walls, so it's like a cube farm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of those environments and so this team, there was, there was four of them that actually were inside a kind of cube. So they had their backs to each other and in the centre was a little round table where they could meet. And so what they okay. decided to do after we had a chat and came up with a couple of ideas was they had a cardigan and one of those headbands that was um, had little uh, little uh, springy things on them so they had stars on them. And so okay. what yep. they did was if someone wanted to really concentrate on something, they would turn around and say, could someone please look after my phone for the next 30 minutes? And whoever did that put the headband on. So everyone knew that that person was answering the phone for the person who had the cardigan on the chair. The cardigan was, don't talk to me, I'm focusing. The headband was, I'm covering them, everything's okay. So it was a little funny kind of little setup for the team that they they created and it worked for Mm. them because it meant that they shared and supported each other. Nice one. Mm. And having really clear but fair and friendly boundaries around that as well. Absolutely, because the reality is they all know they've got work to do. Exactly. Wow. And speaking of being distracting then, or being distracted, your website, I know that you mentioned something before about um, IQ lowering <laughs> every time you're distracted. Um, so is it 10 points? Is that correct? Oh, that's with multitasking. So when we multitask, sorry, that's yes. all right. We, we can drop 40% of our productivity when we multitask and we can also drop wow. up to 10 IQ points every time we multitask. So 10 IQ points would be like <laughs> the equivalent of losing a night's sleep and trying to be operating at our absolute prime. Um, okay. Multitasking, it's not actually multitasking. We're task switching and... Um, there's about yes. 2% of the population who can actually multitask and they're called super taskers. Um, mm-hmm. So the rest of us mere mortals who think we can, mm. we're not. And we're actually probably uh, not being as fast and as accurate mm. because we're multitasking. Wow. Mm. I actually heard someone say once that um, some research, and you might have heard about this, there's research about when you are multitasking on, on two different things, for example, mm-hmm. uh, each half of the brain takes on one of those tasks. So you're effectively only using half of your brain at a time and to go to the other task, you have to kind of switch to the other side of the brain, like from left to right, backward and forward. Have you heard that one before? Yeah, I think it's about the type of task. It depends on the task. So if you were doing okay. something that's okay. mundane, versus and trying to do something that's more high level thinking then you may be using different parts of the brain but it's more it's yeah I I know the piece of research you're referring to I don't I can't recall it in detail just now but I do know it depends on the type of task and whether they're high level or low level thinking and also um, you're still switching anyway you know chances are you're probably switching Mm. versus literally doing them simultaneously Okay, what about listening to music then? So when I try to focus, sometimes there's some background music and I've listened to the music so often that I'm not distracted by the lyrics. It actually kind of, I feel like it helps get me in the zone. Is there truth to the fact that if there's music playing that we're not too familiar with, that can be quite a distraction? But if there's music that's um, without lyrics or if there are lyrics, we know it really, really well, uh, then so we're not distracted, it can help. Is there, is there truth to that? There's a there's a actual, um, oh, I'm just trying to think of the website now. They 
you get onto it and um, you answer some questions and it then tells you the type of music that would help you focus more. Um, yeah, really? I'm just I'm just going to look it up, says she who doesn't multitask, but I, I, I will look it up <laughs> for you because it's really quite fascinating. Um, mm. And, you know. And we, we can put this in the show notes too. Yeah, okay, that's a great idea. We'll put it in the show notes um, because I think it's quite interesting okay. and it's based on some research that they've done. Um and you can have a free sample of it or you can pay for it. Um, and, yeah, I think that I think there's a link here and there's probably I don't have a lot of science behind this kind of um, idea, but I would love to de- delve into it and learn more about whether extroverts and introverts prefer music and the type of music they would prefer to wow. listen to while they're working. Um I'm an extrovert. I'm a raging extrovert, which means I get a lot of external stimulation that get that keeps me motivated. So I tend to have something playing in the background constantly. Doesn't even matter what it is, as long as the volume is at the right level. I it's there as my white noise. Um, whereas I know other people want complete. Maybe, maybe I need to try that. Yeah. Now. Okay. Yeah, and again, we'll put right. that in the show notes. Yeah. So um, thank you for that. It's been really quite helpful in terms of, um, again, don't be worried about failing and it, how you can use that as learning and, and it can be incredibly helpful. And then also just really quickly then too on productivity and the importance of minimizing distractions and, and, tr- and not multitasking. And obviously multitasking and, and the idea of 10%, uh, sorry, 10 points, uh, lowering it mm. in the IQ um, is so important for whether it be studying, working, driving, anything at all. Um, so, yeah, just remembering minimize distractions, don't multitask because it doesn't help. Um, and just for our final couple of questions mm-hmm. for today, being the Do Life Better podcast, I quite enjoy asking our different guests from different expertise areas and so on what their take is on the term Do Life Better. Uh, so, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on the term do life better yeah thank you and thank you for asking and i think i could come up with a million answers to that i'm sure you could but uh but let's stick with the theme and it's about do your own life better as in don't be hard on yourself you know don't kick yourself if you fail don't Mm -hmm. don't stay down take it as a lesson and so that way you can do your life better because when you do your life better the people that you impact around you get better as well. Um, I think sometimes we've got to remember that in order to be really of value to others and to mm-hmm. be a great friend or to be a great boss or to be a great, you know, partner in life, um, it doesn't matter whatever it is, to be better at that, we need to be better with ourselves. So, and not from a selfish perspective, but yeah. from a self-care perspective. So that's where yes. I'd say I, that's that's the first thing that comes to my mind with do life better. Excellent. Thank you for that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, where, if someone wanted to get in contact with you um, to help with productivity, leadership and so on, what would be the best way for them to connect with you? You can find me at all the W's, Sally Foley Lewis. Mm-hmm. So S-A-L-L-Y-F-O-L-E-Y. L-E-W-I-S dot com. If you threw that in the Google Anator, you'll find me, Sally Foley Lewis. Um, and just while we we will put in the show notes like you said, but if those of you who are listening mm-hmm. um, while you're mm-hmm. moving, focus at will. 
Focus, F-O-C-U-S. Oh, I've tried that one. At Symbol, W-I-L-L, is the is one uh-huh. of the, the, the applications where you, you put in and answer some questions and it comes back and recommends a music for you. Excellent. So focus, then at sign, will. Yes. Give that one a try. Very cool. Thank you. And so for the final question for today, Mm -hmm. um, as you know, we like to give our listeners a challenge for the week. And the idea is that um, they put it in their phone as a reminder to go off every morning or even just remind themselves every morning of one thing to focus on for this week to help them do life even better. And I use it myself as well to help me do my life even better. And so in terms of, of failing and productivity, what would be your challenge? Okay, I'm going week? to give you two to choose from. So choose one of either of these. Excellent. So either on your phone or on a piece of paper if you're old school like me, I <laughs> want you to write at the top of the piece of paper comparisons or multitasking. So either one of those. Don't do both, mm-hmm. just one or the other. Mm-hmm. And what I'd like you to do for the rest of the maybe the next seven days or next five days is every time you catch yourself comparing yourself to anything and if it's I wish I was mm-hmm. better at or I wish I could or don't uh, when you look at someone's Facebook feed and you think, oh, I wish I could, there's a level of comparison mm. going on. So I want you just to catch yourself comparing or mm-hmm. catch yourself when you're multitasking. Now, that's not about making Excellent. yourself wrong for doing it. All, I, all it's about is giving yourself some awareness. You'll be surprised at how much you do it or you could mm-hmm. be surprised at how little you do it, you know. And the, mm-hmm. the next piece after that is to say, well, when I'm multitasking, which bits are good and which bits are bad and aren't working for me, so what's the lesson there? Or when I'm comparing, how do I feel in that moment of comparison? So what's the alternative thinking I could choose? So it could be about, look, they're great. What can I learn from them? Yeah, just just a week of catching yourself so that you become more aware. Absolutely. And and when we become more aware sometimes even without trying we start to write our behavior I suppose we start um, f- fixing our our poor habits and that type of thing as well even just by bringing our awareness to it so I like that take the choice comparison or multitasking whichever one you like to work on the most for the week um, Sally this has been really helpful for me and I know it will be for our listeners as well so uh, thank you very much for your time for your insights and, and ideas around how we can help ourselves and others um, through times of failure and just that idea of fail fast fail often and fail quietly I quite like that thank you and just for your quick tips too on productivity so Sally it's been a pleasure to have you on the Do Life Better podcast today thank Thank you very much much appreciated so there we have it everybody remember Sally's challenge for the week which is comparison or multitasking Uh, leave a reminder of that somewhere on your phone or somewhere else visible to remind you just to be aware of when you're comparing yourself to others and or when you are multitasking. So I hope that does help you for this week. And again, thank you very much for joining us today. If you could please do me just one favor, one small thing for you, that would be a massive help for me. That would be greatly appreciated. If you could just think of one person, one person you know who could really benefit from today's messages or your favorite episode up until today, share it out with them. Just one person, share it out with them. This one little action for you would be a massive thing for me. It would really help get this podcast in front of more people 
just like you. So please remember to share it out there and I'd love to read out your reviews and your comments. So please do leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast, whether it be the podcast app on iPhones or CastBox for Android or anywhere else. Leave us a review. I'd love to read it out. So thank you again and all the very best creating a great week. Thanks again for listening to the Do Life Better podcast. You can find all our show notes at www.projecthatch.com.au forward slash do life better. If you'd like to book Dave Joyner to speak at your event, company or school, you can contact him at hello at projecthatch.com.au. You can contact us on Facebook at Project Hatch and on Instagram at project underscore hatch. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with someone you think would benefit from these messages. And now it's time to get out there and do life better.